Thank you for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. We're so honored to share this moment with you. For the next few weeks, our we will be in a sermon series called The Invitation. We are using clips from the TV series called The Chosen. So what does this mean for our podcast listeners? Each episode or sermon will be based on a few clips taken from The Chosen TV series. In order to have the full experience, we'll put the episode information and the timing of each clip used in corresponding order in the show notes. Now you might be thinking, this makes it really difficult to listen to the podcast as I drive, walk, or even work out. My prayer for us is rather than this being seen as difficult, it will allow us to be intentional as we listen and hear what God has for each of us. Listen to the message, take time to watch the clips, and I know God will meet you in a mighty way. I'm so excited for today's message, and I pray it blesses you beyond your wildest belief. Today we have an amazing, amazing treat for you guys. Um, one of the other things I'm really trying to do is honestly just give away uh, more leadership. And I love being able to do that through communication and preaching and teaching. Uh, this morning, uh, Hensley, why don't you come on up? Hensley is going to be preaching. And Hensley is the leader of our Bright Kids ministry. Uh, does everybody know what Bright Kids is some of you have kids, so you're like, yes, God bless you. Thank you for your ministry to the church. Uh, Bright Kids is our student ministry, um, and they are doing a phenomenal job. How long have you been in officially in your role? Officially in Bright Kids since August. August. So she has taken over and just has done an amazing job. Uh, one of the most amazing things about church is that... Um, you lead the hardest area of the church. I just want to say that. You're like, oh, your job's so hard. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your, your job <laughs> is really hard uh, because it just it takes a lot to get people to show up. It takes a lot to get people excited about uh, students and the next generation. Um, and it takes a lot to uh, hang out with kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. And she does it fearlessly and wonderfully. Um, and so this morning, she's going to share uh, a little bit, honestly, just where we are in the invitation series, but also just more of her vision and heart behind Bright Kids. So I'm super excited about that. Her and her husband are wonderful people at Bright City. They are fearless leaders. They are encouragers. Uh, they, I, I cannot state enough how much they encourage Jess and I. We uh, have had uh, dark days in the past. And I remember one of my earliest memories of Kyle is he literally dropped by our house uh, in between something. And he lit, and I think it was after work. And he brought me a note of encouragement that he wrote on a napkin because that was all he had in his car. And so he was like, all right, I'm just going to, and I'm like, it's not like, hey, bro, you're doing a great job. It is like a one to two page note on a napkin. And I still have it on my refrigerator. Like you have to unfold the napkin and I put it up on the fridge. So it's still there, but they are encouragers. They love Jesus, but most of all, uh, they love Bright City as well. So um, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. And then you're going to get going. Great. Father, I thank you for this woman. I thank you for her gifting. I thank you for all that you have done in and through their lives to get them here um, and just be a part of Bright City and just their commitment to you and their commitment to your local church. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that was super kind, super kind introduction. 
Like Nick said, my name is Hensley White, and I'm the Bright Kids Director. My husband and I have been a part of Bright City since we moved here about two and a half years ago. It was the first church that we tried, and we never went anywhere else. It just felt like home to us. So such a privilege to be with you this morning. I'm usually back there with the kids, so it's a little different with adults instead of those tiny little faces, but I'm super excited and encouraged what God's going to do this morning. So as Nick said, I'm married to Kyle in the back with our baby Roman. He's eight months old, so he might be talking a little bit, but that's okay. Um, This morning, we're continuing our series on the invitation. This is week three, the first week. Nick talked a lot about fear and how Jesus freed Mary Magdalene from that and helped her move forward out of her fears. Last week, Jess talked to us about ownership and leadership and stepping into our own authority in our own lives. This week, as you can guess, we're talking about kids. So I'm gonna tell you a quick story about my own child uh, that as I was preparing and thinking about this, God prompted me to share. So Roman has been struggling a little bit with something called separation anxiety. This was my biggest fear going into parenthood. Maybe not my biggest fear, but one of them. I wanted to do everything I could to prevent this from happening. I was like, I'm going to have the chill kid that I'm going to drop off with a babysitter, drop off in the nursery, and he's going to smile and be so happy and not overly attached to me and do his thing and pick him up and it'll be great. I did everything I could to prevent it. We always let people hold him. Still, if you want to hold him anytime, pick him up. We'll pass him off to you. We did everything we could to just help him be well-rounded and help him be adaptable. It hasn't really worked out. Um, (laughs) In the last probably month or so, he has just built this really tight attachment to my husband and I, which is beautiful. It's so sweet. I'm like, oh, you love me. You know who I am. This is the sweetest thing. But it's interesting. It's like as soon as he's passed off to someone else, he loses sight of who he is and he loses his identity. He's scared that we're not going to come pick him up, and he's scared that we forgot about him and that we're going to leave him behind. I I was thinking about this in my own life, and I was like, you know, that's kind of how we are a lot of times when we're far from our Heavenly Father, when we're far from God. We're unsure of who we are, and we're scared that he forgot about us. We don't know if God forgot about us or is going to come pick us up or not. But as soon as we look up at him, we feel safe. Just like as soon as I pick up Roman... He's lungs flailing, flailing, screaming, face red. As soon as I bend over to pick him up, immediately stops crying. Immediately, he's home, he's safe, he knows who he belongs to. So today, like I said, we're going to be talking about children and what we can learn from them as adults. We are also going to talk a lot about what it means to be children of God and what it means for God to be our Father. So I'm going to read some scripture over us before we get started. Matthew 19, 14 says, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll go on to our first clip. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this body, for these people that woke up and came here this morning. I pray that we could shake out any sleepiness or weariness or meekness, God. I pray that we could just be present and that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that my words would be yours. I pray that your name would be glorified. Thank you for the children, God. I pray that we can learn to love them a little bit more. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of context for this first clip. This is the first of three really short clips I'm going to show from The Chosen. 
So Jesus is traveling and camping in a city called Capernaum. So this is a river city. He's camping, literally physically has a tent. It was kind of funny to imagine Jesus like, you know, over the fire, grilling his food and sleeping under the stars, but that's what he's doing. And there's this little girl in the town and her name is Abigail. Abigail is a pretty curious little thing. She notices Jesus when she's out playing by herself on the river. And she realized something about him really quick. She realized something was different. She realized that he was mysterious and was super intrigued by him. The next day, she brings her friend Joshua back and she's like, we gotta check out this guy. I gotta, you gotta see him. Like, we have to figure this out. What's he doing here? Why is he sleeping here? Where's his home? So she brings up the courage and Joshua and Abigail have a little conversation with Jesus. So this clip is about to pick up the next morning when Abigail has now told all of her friends about Jesus and has brought them to his campsite. As we watch this clip, I want us to pay attention to one thing specifically. Pay attention to the children. That's going to be the focus of this clip. So really think about what they're doing, how they're interacting, the questions they're asking. So this is the first clip. I think my favorite part of that entire clip is when the children are waking up Jesus. <laughs> they run to him. He doesn't know any of them. And most of them have never seen him or met him before. And they just have this, this boldness that they run to him. And they, they wake him up. He's completely asleep. And they decide that they should wake him up because they're impatient and they're ready to play. I think that's such a depiction, too, of something that so many of us experience as parents with children as students with a job is waking up just a little bit earlier than we would like to. So I just think it's so sweet that they include that um, just humanity aspect of Jesus and his full human self. So what can we learn from the children? What can we learn from the children in this clip? These are characters, these are Bible, Bible characters on a video, but so much of it is children in our own church. So much of these are children in our own neighborhood. So as we talk about this, think about them as well. Think about your own children. Think about children that you interact with. They have no shame. As we just talked about, they woke up Jesus when he was completely asleep in the morning, not knowing him. They have no shame. They just want, they were ready. They were ready to go. Kids are also really inclusive. It wasn't shown, but before that, Abigail had invited all of the village kids, all of the village kids from her town, and brought them with her to see Jesus. She told them about him, and she brought them with her. Children are so inclusive. We see that back there in Bright Kids all the time. They're so eager to play. They're so ready to go. And even with our youth group, they're the most inclusive group I've ever seen of preteens that all want to be best friends. It's seriously, it's unlike anything else, but kids are so inclusive. Children are also so eager to help. And I know all of us, all of us can say this. When you see a child, they want to help you. If you give them a task, they feel purposeful, they feel involved, they feel important. And here, Jesus just includes them in his workday. He's like, yeah, like you can hang out, but you got to help me. And they're like, great. Awesome, that's what we want to do. And so you see, them, you see them building and working and doing tasks along with Jesus as he's in relationship with them. And I just think that's such, a, such an interesting point of as we're interacting with children and bright kids, as we're interacting with children as teachers, as neighbors, as whenever you see them, they want to task, they want to feel important, they want to feel included. Children also have so much fun. Did you see the joy on their face? They just want to play. They just want to play. 
And there's such a beautiful, a beautiful aspect of this in childhood where play is such a priority that we lose as we grow. Uh, even in Bright Kids, so much of our time is playing. Yes, we talk about Jesus, and yes, we pray and sing songs, but so much of it is play. It's interactive play with each other. They get to use their brains and their hearts and be creative. They get to interact with you as an adult as they play. And so even here, as we're watching them just running around and working, they still have such a draw to play. They have fun. Children are also so curious. <laughs> they have a lot of questions. That is shown very detailed in this clip. They ask, are you rich? Are you rich? Are you dangerous? What's your favorite food? I can imagine this happening with Jesus as he's walking through the village and seeing kids because it happens to us all the time. They want to know, what's your favorite color? Where do you live? How old are you? Is one of my favorite things is when you get the little kids to guess how old you are. It's so funny to hear what they say. But they just have so many questions and they're so eager to ask them. It's like the, are you there yet question in the back of the car. They, it's like spitfire questions constantly. You're like, how are you even thinking of all of these things? Like, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know where these questions are coming from. Children are also so eager to share. They're so eager to share what's on their mind, what's on their heart, what they think about things. The prayer that the children prayed is called the Shema, and it's a traditional Hebrew prayer. So a lot of these children, specifically the boys, would have learned this prayer in school or in the synagogues. At this time, the girls weren't allowed to go to school, and they weren't allowed to be included on a lot of those studies, so they were taught that prayer from their brothers or their fathers or their family, but it was a really traditional prayer, almost like the Lord's Prayer, um, that was said like more casually, more organically, so they all know it, and as soon as Jesus asks them if they know it, you saw all of them light up. They were like, yes, we know this. We can share this with you. We want you to know what we know. Children are also usually respectful and listen to authority. They know in their nature that Jesus has authority over them. Even though they don't know he's the Messiah, they don't know he's Jesus yet, they don't know he's God, they know that he is someone older than them and has authority in their life and they listen and they obey. They do what they're asked to do, they pay attention to what he's saying and they abide by his requests. As we grow up, the world tells us to do an, an opposite of most of these things, right? The world tells us that maybe we should cover up and maybe, maybe, we should, maybe we should have a little bit of shame and the world tells us that you probably should just find a couple people that you can confide in that you don't have to be super inclusive, it's okay. The world tells you that you don't have to help everybody out. Like you need to make sure that you're taken care of first and then you can help other people. A big thing that happens in adulthood is we stop having fun. We stop prioritizing recreation. We stop prioritizing that joy that comes with doing things that we just want to do, that we just want to play, that we want to spend time together. The world also tells us that we should know everything already, that we shouldn't have any questions, that there shouldn't be anything that we're curious about, and that we definitely should keep our opinions to ourselves, that we shouldn't share. And the big thing is we're our own authority, right? We don't we don't need to have that authority, and we don't need to be respectful or listen to that. A lot of this happens as we grow up organically, but a lot of this happens as we grow up and get hurt. We put guards up, we build walls, we build outer shells because we want to protect ourselves. 
As adults, we lose so much of the simplicity that comes with being a child. Waking up, knowing who you belong to, knowing what you're doing, knowing what you're prioritized, everything, everything. We lose so much of that simplicity. Like I said at the very beginning, these, these kids in this clip, they're examples of our kids. And I don't mean my kids, I mean our kids, the body's kids, the church's children. They're examples of children in this church. They're examples of all the children back there. And all of these things, they're just how children act. They're just how kids act. They're pure. Life is simple to them. There is so much peace. And really, they're joy bringers. If you spend time with them, you're, there's something about them. Why are we drawn to children? Why do we call them precious? It's because they're sent from God, and they have so many things that they can teach us, and they're joy bringers. We're going to transition into the next clip. And in this clip kind of an opposite of that. I really want us to pay attention to Jesus specifically and how he leads and loves these kids as they continue their conversation. I want to pause and tell you about a special opportunity for the people of Bright City, Charleston. Have you ever struggled to live like Jesus in your own context? Do you struggle in having a vision of what it looks like for the church to bring the kingdom into culture? I know I've struggled both of these things. A few years ago, we wrote a curriculum called The Way of the Bright, a creative vision for shining in a dark world. The heart behind this curriculum was to provide the owners of Bright City with a path to order our lives around seven different tenets to help us encounter God and shine in our culture. This fall, for the first time ever, we're offering The Way of the Bright as one of our weekly groups so we can walk through the material together, growing closer to God and growing closer to each other at the same time. This will be an incredible group for all who struggle with having a vision of what it looks like to live like Jesus in our world. This would also be an incredible opportunity for anyone who is new to Bright City or anyone who wants to dive in deeper to this church family. We're hosting the group here at Bright City Church every Monday night for eight weeks, starting on September 13th. The groups start at 6.30 p.m. and will wrap up at 8 p.m. And for all those who need it, we'll be offering some amazing children's activities. We're anticipating a fruitful time as we navigate this sacred commitment we can make with one another and God. And I can't wait to see you there. I just love that the Chosen decided to give this episode just to the kids so that we can see Jesus interacting with them. How does Jesus love the children? And how does that help us love the children? The biggest thing that stands out to me here is that he's an honest truth teller. He tells them the truth. That's all. He knows that there's some things that'll be over their head or that they might not understand right now, but he believes and has faith that one day they will understand. And so he's not holding back. He's not deceiving them. He's telling them the truth. And he's telling them the truth in a way that is kind and in a way that is patient and gentle. And as adults, that's not our nature. <laughs> we want to tell them the truth sometimes, but we want to just tell them. We want them to just get it. We want them to understand. Jesus just, he's so patient and he's so kind with them and he's so gentle with his words. Jesus is also authoritative in such a parental way. 
he's kind and he's gentle and you see his eyes, but he definitely holds his ground and he's authoritative with what he's saying. He's not letting them walk all over him at all. He's telling them about his father. He's telling them about God, but he's telling them in a way that is representative of his spirit. Jesus also calls them up and asks them to be different. We can tell our children those things. They understand. Telling them that they're special goes so, so far. You even see it in the clip. You see it when he's asking them to be peacemakers and he's asking them to be different and to step away from the ways of the world and they're receptive and they understand and that's where discipleship starts. We don't have to wait until they can understand everything. Discipleship starts as soon as they can speak and we can tell them that truth even if they don't understand everything. Jesus affirms them and encourages them and I think all of us can agree that that goes so far as an adult. I want to be affirmed and I want to be encouraged and even more so as a child, giving them just words of affirmation, speaking life into them, telling them the truth. It encourages them, it's shaping them, it's molding them. Jesus also shows a lot of his countercultural behavior here, telling them that, you know, they might tell you this, and even your rabbi might say this, but I have authority, and we're called to be different. We're called to step aside. Jesus doesn't hide from the children. As I said, as adults, we want to protect our kids. And again, as I'm saying our kids, I'm not saying my kids. I'm saying this church's kids. Because if you're an owner here at Bright City, you're here, and they're your kids too. And you have the authority to love them, and you have the authority to speak life and encourage them and equip them. So our kids, they're our kids. As adults, we want to protect our kids, and sometimes we want to shield them from the truth. That's, that's normal. That's natural. But sometimes... It's because it's harder to explain everything on our end. We don't want to go into it. We just want to give them a quick fix, make them be quiet, make them stop asking some of those questions. But Jesus shows that we can be patient and we can be receptive in what they need. That same verse in Matthew says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Let's not hinder them. We're hindering our kids by not telling them the truth and being honest with them. We're hindering each other and our brothers and sisters in Christ by not being honest and not telling them the truth. Jesus understands that even if they don't get all of it now, one day they will. That's true for children and that's true for us. We're not gonna understand all of it. We are not going to understand all of it. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. It's not gonna make sense. But scripture doesn't hold back and Holy Spirit does not hold back there's faith and there's belief that one day it will come to fruition and that you will understand. And that's the same thing when we're interacting with our children. We're going to transition into clip three, which is, it's a little bit further in this conversation with Jesus. This is their last time together with him before they part ways and before he moves on. But in this clip, I would love it if we could all think about ourselves as the children. What does it mean to be God's children? What does it mean to be a child of God? We say it all the time, right? God loves us just because we are his kids. Period, that's all. (laughs) We have full access to him. And we get to experience God's heart as a child to a parent. We get to see the inside. God sent Jesus for all of us 
God sent his son for all of us. There's, there's so many themes of children. There's so many themes of God's son. There's so many themes of children of God. It's important. As his kids, we get to spend time with him. We get to talk to him. We have a full line of communication at all times. And we get to be his first priority. God's our safe place. <laughs> Just like Roman, when he's freaking out because we're separated, as soon as I pick him up, he knows who he belongs to. Let's revisit the scripture. Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. From the beginning of time, we've been told to grow up. After Genesis 3, our eyes were opened in the garden and we were no longer children. After the fall, we were filled with that shame and that that ickiness and the ways of the world, and Satan took advantage of the childlike faith in the garden, just as the world takes advantage of that today. God made us to be his kids. In the purest sense of what that means, God made us to be his children. The world tells you that you're not enough. The world tells you to cover up. The world tells you to stop talking, to speak up, to speak louder, to pay attention. The world tells you to question your identity, to question your purpose, to question your worth. The world tells you to have it all together. The world tells you to just grow up. God made us to be like his children. He made us in our nature to have curiosity, to have wonder, and he made us to have questions too. When he's talking about Jesus, when he's talking about his next students at the end of that clip, and he's saying, I hope that my next students are like you, He's talking about his disciples. He's on the way to meet his disciples, and he's saying, I hope that my disciples, the men that I choose that follow me that closely, are like you, are like children. Jesus is talking about us, too. He wants us to be like children. What's so beautiful is that God is our safe place to be as pure as he made us to be, and we can get back to being those kids in the garden. We can When we learn to be more like children, we are learning to be more of who God inherently made us to be. You are already a child of God. You are already a child of God. There's no hoops. There's no formulas. There's no calculation. There's not anything special you have to do. He made you his kid. And we can lean into those childlike qualities while understanding that childlike qualities are kingdom qualities that he called us to be peacemakers. He called us to be reconcilers, just like Abigail was with her friends. We can go to God unashamed just because he is our father. We do not have to know better as we grow up with him. Like when the kids woke Jesus up, Jesus was not interrupted. They asked him all the questions and he didn't skip a beat. Just as the children were not an interruption to Jesus, you are never an interruption to your father. He has time. Your questions are not too much. He never gets annoyed. You are not what you know. You have nothing, nothing to prove to him. You get to be his top priority. You have full access to him. And when I'm talking about that access, talking about this quote that Tim Keller said, and he said, the only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m., to ask for a glass of water is a child. And that is the access that we have to our Father. 
It may sound intense in that scripture in Matthew when Jesus says that you must become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what the text says. You must become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. But really, all he's asking you to do is to be his kid and to recognize him as your father. And as soon as you do that, you're born again. In that new creation, you are a child. You are his daughter. You are his son. And you get to call him your father. And he loves his children unconditionally. I want to circle back to the beginning when I was talking about my son, Roman, and about how he has a little bit of, a lot of bit of separation anxiety. And I was thinking about a time when I experienced it as a kid. So I'm going to share just a brief story of my childhood. I was probably six or seven. My family was back to school shopping, back to school shopping at Target. My whole family was there. I have two younger siblings and we're going up and down the aisles. You know, everyone's picking out their backpack and their notebook and their color coordinated folders and all the things. And I must have gotten distracted by some glittery pins or something, and I turned around, and my family was gone. <laughs> and I was lost. I didn't know where they were. I felt abandoned and scared, like the terrifying feeling. I don't know if you remember when you were a child and you're separated from your parents, and you think they're never going to find you. You think you're never going to be reunited again. I looked up and down the aisles for my family, and I finally, finally across the room saw a man in an orange shirt, and I knew it was my dad, and I just sprinted to him, and I saw him, and I grabbed his shirt, and I looked up, and it wasn't him. <laughs> so panic mode, 2.0, full-on meltdown. I'm literally melting down on the cold tile floor in Target, and I hear my name, and I hear my name in a familiar voice, and it's my dad, and he's calling my name. He didn't leave me behind. He never stopped looking for me. He was never going to leave me in this store by myself. He's my father, and he loves me. I wasn't going to be there left alone. Immediately, I felt a sense of peace, and I felt just the comfort of home and knowing where I belonged. And I know not everyone grew up with a loving earthly father, and I know that sometimes our identity as a child of God can be tainted by that and be tainted by experiences in our own childhood. But if you can close your eyes and imagine your dream dad, God's better than that. He's standing at the door knocking. He leaves the 99 just for you. Just like my dad left all my siblings and my mom and everybody else because he knew he had to find me. God's doing that for you. He cares for his children and he would never, ever, ever leave them behind. He loves his children, and all he wants to do is spend time with them. So as we go into this week, try to get with kids. Try to be around them. We have so much to learn from them, whether it's throwing catch with the neighborhood kid or watching some of your friend's kids to go on a date night or serving in bright kids. Get with them. They're special. You can't learn from them or experience this unless you're around them. That's all. I also encourage you to just sit with your father to think back to when you were actually a kid or when you first started walking with Jesus and what that felt like, what that simplicity and that new and that love felt like. And if you've never done that before, I encourage you to just sit and see what it's like. See what it's like. Be a daughter, be a son, get in his presence. He loves you and just wants to spend time with you. Father God, thank you so much for this day and this time together. I thank you for the children in our church. 
I thank you that you also call us your kids, God. Thank you that we have full access to you, that there's nothing we have to do to spend time with you, and that that is all that you want from us. All you want is to spend time with your kids. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for Sunday mornings. I pray that your name would just be glorified through worship and that we would just be able to respond to you as your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. If today's message and clips from the Chosen TV series prompted you to answer the invitation to follow Jesus for the first time, we want to hear about it. Please email us at hello at brightcity.church and we'd love to help you take the next steps in your faith walk. If you call yourself an owner at Bright City, thank you in advance for your generosity. You can do so by Venmo at Bright City or by visiting brightcity.church slash generosity. Additionally, if you have any other questions, please feel free to visit us at brightcity.church. And lastly, I'd love to close our time together with a reading from Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.